surprised to be here. Um, so it's fitting that um, we just came off Carrie Newhoff's book, Didn't See It Coming. Um, I don't really know how else to segue that other than this is literally something I never saw coming. But I will say it's been about a year in the mix, but I've successfully dodged it. Um, I'm really good at saying no, like extremely good. I am stubborn. Yeah, there's my husband. He knows it. And there's my whole family. And so like they know it because they are also stubborn. I can safely say that. And so, no, pastor's asked me several times, and I just have said, no, thank you. And he's gone on his way, and he's just figured it out. Um, but I think this time, six weeks ago, and I said, it's not enough time. I was trying to make a lot of excuses. He said, six weeks. I said, I know I got stuff, though, you know, like stuff to do, kids to prepare for. And he's like, yeah, it's six weeks. Yeah, I've never done this before, though, so that's not enough time. So I don't think I said yes but I didn't say no, and so that was my first problem. I think he took it as a maybe, and so if you're like a child, a maybe means yes, and so here I am. Um, but I also have one more person to thank, and I think you actually know this person. He um, actually works here, and he's actually preached here before. Um, he actually knows how to do this. He's gone to school to do this, um, and his name's Trevor, and... <laughs> So before um, six weeks ago, I actually thought he was my friend, too. <laughs> and so that changed. Because what I didn't know is that Pastor Aaron actually went to Trevor first. I'm going to go over here um, so I can be more in direct sight. I'm intimidating as it is, but I'm up here, and I feel like I have no boss, so I can say whatever I want to. So... Um, Trevor actually was approached by Pastor Aaron and actually said, hey, can you preach November 24th? There's like this gap in between Advent. I'd really like to see if I could maybe get home for Thanksgiving, celebrate with my family. And Trevor said, yeah, I'm happy to do that. But before I say yes, did you um, check with Holly? Because I think she said she's ready for the opportunity. <laughs> and I'm like, so he told me that. I think he really thought I said that. And I was like, when on earth did I actually say that? Like, there was never a moment of, in time that I actually said, hey, I think I'm ready. Tap him on the shoulder and give me an in. Like, I never did that. And so he was like, I am so sorry. I am mistaken. I really thought you said that. And I'm like, yeah, you are like any other man. You hear what you want to hear. <laughs> so I also think maybe one more thing. Um, when I was a teacher, um, we would do these things called field trips, which were like the best day because I didn't have to teach, and I just got to enjoy the kids, and it was my favorite time. Um, except for when the parents came, and then they would enjoy, they'd sign up thinking, I get to spend time with like my little kid, and it'll be so fun. And then they realize like, there's a few other kids you're responsible for. And so it was the best day for my job, because those people got to see like for a moment what it was like to be a teacher in charge of like 30-some kids. I, like at at a field trip, like o wide open spaces. And so um, I never got more compliments on the, than on those days. Afterwards, they'd say, I don't know how you do this. I am so glad I only have one of these kids. Or I can't believe you do this every day. Or I'm glad this is your job and not my job. Or you don't get paid enough. And I'm like, amen. We don't. <laughs> Teachers do not get paid enough. But I'm almost thinking that might be 
Pastor Aaron's thing. Like, maybe she'll appreciate me more because <laughs> she's doing what I do every week. And I do. I will say, this has been, um, six weeks is probably not enough. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I am very terrified because you are not six years old. And you are much, um, like, you're not going to ask weird questions. Maybe you are. I would really appreciate that. That would make me feel you're probably not going to wipe boogers on me. Or th that would, those things would make me actually feel oddly comfortable. So we're not close enough to do that. But, um, but no, I am here and I am excited to share even though I am terrified as well. You are scary people <laughs> because you're adults. Not because I know each and every one of you personally, just because you're taller than three feet tall. So let's just do this. Um, so I'm not sure about you, but I am not gifted in the culinary um, world. So I, in fact, um, I'm the girl on the Thanksgiving, like, text message or email thread that gets like, hey, everybody's bringing a dish to pass. Let's just start listing off what we're going to bring. And I'm like, oh, please, nobody grab the dinner rolls. <laughs> it's got to be me. You know, and so I... <laughs> I will um, be always late, the last person to the text message, and then usually it goes like this. Hey, Holly, looks like we're covered with the food. Um, if you can just bring your kids, that'll be fine. We just want your presence. It'll be perfect. But if you feel like you want to contribute something, veggie trays. That's, uh, people love vegetables. They try to, like, talk up the veggie tray like it's, like, this hot commodity. But really, so that's my gift to dinner is a vegetable tray, and i bring out my pre-portioned, like, where things go, buy the bagged, of, bagged vegetables, and put it where they're supposed to go, and that's my contribution. And I've realized this is probably the gift that keeps giving, because Hudson was trying to make the pre-portioned cookies, frozen cookies, that we brought, bought from Charlotte, so they're like, literally, you open them, you put them on, he comes in, and he goes, Mom, I don't think I can do this. And I said, I think you can. Like, it's not that difficult. Preheat, that means just set it to the time. No, we got to have two ovens. We have to have a convection and a conventional. Like, <laughs> no, those are two different options. You just have to know which one you have, which I'll tell you, I do know which one I have. So at least. But my grandma's a kind of cook that she will, like, cook things and she will taste it as she goes. Like, I know how to follow a recipe. The problem is the lady has no recipes. She just cooks she tastes it, and then if it doesn't taste good, she knows what to add. That's the problem. I don't know what to add. I just, I, I'm not gonna about to cook things that aren't finished. Like, I'm here to cook and then eat it when it's done, when it's properly cooked, not, like, in the between time. That's not what I'm here for. So that did not get passed to me. But my mother-in-law is this. She can cook for an army, like, the spread is amazing. She comes up with these ideas. I don't even know where. She goes on vacations and she comes back and she has ideas and she knows how to recreate them. She looks on Pinterest. She's got a whole board dedicated to stuff that she wants to create. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm like, how do you organize my house? Like, how do you take care of three kids? I don't know. Like, the essentials, you know? Um, I know how to make a frozen pizza and I buy cereal in bulk. That's it. That's all I need to do. <laughs> So my mother-in-law is gifted like this. I mean, we will go over there for Thanksgiving, and there will not be a detail left unnoticed. The table will be spread with great food, which I'm excited about, but also just the details, the table, the napkins, the decorations. She knows how to throw a party, and she's 
very skilled at it. She reminds me of a lady named Martha. And we're going to look at the story of Mary and Martha and Jesus in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. So if you want to join me there, that's where we're going to be. So in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, we learn that Martha, like my mother-in-law, must be gifted in hospitality. She has to know her way around the kitchen a little bit. Um, At least she knows that she can put together a party pretty quickly. Because in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, we read this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now this was back in the day. Jesus wasn't like saying, hey, I'm checking in on Facebook, traveling through Bethany. There was none of that. There would have been no way that Martha would have really known that Jesus was in her town until he pretty much was there. So she knew in order to invite him over, she must have felt pretty confident in her skills. Like, I'm not doing that. You know, I might say, hey, I'll order some pizza, come on over. Like, that's my thing. Or, hey, let's go out to eat. I want to be with you, but I'm not inviting people over my house to cook for them. So that's why I have grandparents. Like, my grandma will do that for you. (laughs) Um, So she must have felt like she knew her way around the kitchen enough to know, I can do this, right? So she, I'm sure once Jesus accepted the invitation, she went to work busying herself in her kitchen, and she was prepared. I'm sure it takes a lot of work, but she knew she could do it, otherwise she wouldn't have set herself up that. But we also know um, that her sister, Mary, was there, so maybe she thought she'd get a little bit of help. So in verse 39 and 40, it says this, she, Martha, had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now remember, Jesus didn't just travel alone. He had a posse with him. So when Martha invited just Jesus, it's not like, hey, I got some leftovers. Let's just sit down and have them. No, she, she got to cook for like 12. <laughs> so that takes a little bit more. So I'm thankful she has Mary. But here we see Mary's just chilling at the Lord's feet. And Martha was distracted by all the preparations. So I'm scared. Like, I know my way around a sister. This ain't gonna fly. Like, you can't just be sitting while one sister's doing everything. I don't know about you, but if you have a sibling, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, where's Holly? How come she doesn't have to do anything? How come she's just chilling over there? She's still coloring. She's doing this. She's your, the youngest, and she's your favorite. Yes, it's true. <laughs> it's very true. I'm way cuter and way funnier and much more pathetic, and obviously have nothing to bring in the kitchen. So maybe that's what I was doing. Like this whole time has been preparation just to not have to be asked to help in the kitchen. But I think, here's where I'm scared. Like, you're not going to get away with this. Take a look at this picture. It says, I mean, like, look at the side eye. Martha is totally, like, not happy with her sister, and here she is with all the guys listening to Jesus, and she's like, can't balance all this stuff. That is not a a look that you want from your sibling. She looks like the minute you get in this kitchen, girl, (laughs) nobody's going to know what's about to happen to you. So Mary, I don't know what she thinks she's going to get away with here, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to go well. I mean, maybe she's saying, I didn't invite him to the party. I'm just enjoying the company. She's the one that invited them all. I'm just here. Martha and her big mouth got us into all this trouble. 
which would be about accurate. And just like any other sister would, the rest of verse 40, Martha moves in. And it says, she came to him, so Martha came to Jesus, and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. All right. And I'm going to cut Martha a little bit slack here because she knew some stuff that we probably wouldn't know just by reading that. So Martha knew, um, that's scandalous business, man. Girls can't just be hanging out in the common room back in this day. That is unheard of, even, even with Jesus. So men were allowed to kind of be in the common space, the living room, amongst men to learn from the rabbi, in this case, Jesus. That's okay. But for women to join, especially to be at the feet of Jesus, that is not okay. That is culturally not acceptable. Breaking the rules. So maybe, Martha, if they really did want to spend time together, they could spend time together outside. Women were, their place was in the kitchen. Thank God I didn't live back then. Because I want to survive the day. So, so I think that's exactly what happened. Is I think maybe Martha was like, hey, Jesus, help a sister out. Because Mary is scandalous. She's really breaking all the rules. She's going to get in trouble and I need you to help her. Because she's obviously not listening to me. So she asked Jesus to help. So maybe that's Maybe that's what she was going for. I'm not sure. There's really nothing to prove what Mary's intentions were. But it seems to be clear that Jesus is about to put Mary in her place. Mary, Jesus knew all the rules. And so it seems to me that Jesus is about to tell Mary what's going on. And so now it's kind of awkward because the guest of honor has to get Mary in trouble. So let's see what Jesus actually says. In verse 41, it says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. So he's talking to Martha, not to Mary. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So maybe you're as surprised as I am about that response, but what I love is how Jesus starts with, Martha, Martha, or maybe you're too familiar with the Brady Bunch and the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha thing is kind of getting in your way, but let's move that aside. But I love how he says, Martha, Martha. The first time I read it, it was Martha, Martha. But the more I, I read and studied how he said that, he says it not in a scolding way, not in a you're in trouble way, not in a I can't believe you disgusted kind of way, He says it in a way that I think he's pleading with Martha. He's wishing she would get it, that she would understand. He's probably like, Martha, my girl, just order the pizza and get in here with me. (laughs) Thank you. Right? There's hope for me yet. Because you're missing out on the best thing you could be doing right now, which is spending time with me. Now, she was distracted. And rightfully so, she was making dinner for Jesus. It's a pretty good reason to be distracted, right? She was supporting him in his ministry. She was doing things that needed to be done. Those were pretty important things. But I think good things can become bad things when they distract us from the best thing. Let me say that again. 
good things can become bad things when they distract us from the best thing. I might be painting Martha in a bad light. I know I'm kind of making fun of her and giving her a hard time, but I want to be clear. Martha was a good woman. She was a follower of Jesus. I think she had good intentions. I think her heart was in the right place. She was a woman who loved Jesus, and he, she was supporting his ministry. In fact, she was a masterful servant. She's got some skills. I think the problem is, Jesus isn't looking for masterful servants. I think he's looking for servants full of the master. So as I said at the start, I didn't ever see this moment coming. But I'll be really honest with you. The reason I didn't see it coming is because I wasn't going to let it happen. Because I was in control. See, I went to school to become an elementary school teacher. (laughs) And I was pretty good at it. I got a job in the school that I went to, the school that I wanted a job in, school that was doing great, getting recognition from the state for their academic achievements. I worked with people that are some of my very best friends. I was part of a team doing well. And I loved it. When God was calling me into the ministry, I was dead set against it. I remember Pastor Aaron saying, can you tell me one way how you're feeling? And I said, oh, I can tell you how I'm feeling. I feel like I'm being pushed in one direction, but I am pulling hard in the opposite direction. I do not want this. I do not need this. I am doing good things in what I'm doing right now. See, I was helping kids learn to read, which I don't know that there's anything more valuable outside of knowing Jesus um, than to give them the opportunity to learn to, to read. I was involved in lots of service projects with my school. We were helping the community. I was loving kids well, and I was letting them know that they were important every day. Why in the world would God ask me to move away from that? So for a while, I justified not answering God's call by saying, I'm too busy with all this other good stuff that I'm doing. These kids need me. This is a good job. I'm meeting the the needs of a lot of people. But I never really thought that good things could become bad things when they distracted me from the best thing. No other time in my life did I feel so out of control, so distracted, so uncomfortable, so confused. And in the midst of all this, we had planned a vacation to um, Manton, where we always go for um, family camp. So I took the boys, and I headed off to the tabernacle, much like this, to hear a message um, that I didn't want to hear. <laughs> it was... Um, the pastor was talking about his call to ministry, which was eerily similar to mine. And um, I didn't need to hear it because I was already answered, I do not want this. <laughs> so I was pretty clear, and I'm also stubborn. So God really did some work, he took some time on me because I usually win in a battle. <laughs> but I went there, 
and I couldn't deny the call. And so at the end of the service, the pastor said, the altars are open, and I came forward, and I'm not usually like that. That's uncomfortable for me. It's a room full of strangers. I really didn't know these people. And I came forward, and I felt <laughs> that that moment wasn't just answering call to ministry. That moment was a surrender of my whole entire life. That was a moment that I went like this, and then I went like this. See, this moment wasn't going to come because I was like this. I had things together. I'm pretty controlled, and I'm pretty stubborn, and I know what I want, and I think I know what I need, and so I just kept that to me. But that moment was the moment that I said, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. My life is not even my own. I guess it's yours. And if you want me to give away something really good, I guess that's okay. Because I wanted to be full of the master. I needed to give up a good thing because it was getting in the way of the best thing. I was willing to forfeit some of those good things for the sake of the best thing in my life. But that's something I have to choose every day. I have to surrender myself every day, and some days it's harder than others. Some days, I just want to stay busy with my schedule. I want to put as many things on the calendar so I don't have to think about anything else. I just want to busy myself with my role as a mom, which is busy. I want to bury myself in work. I actually want to just clean my house or anything else than to give up complete control of my life. What are those things for you? What are some of those good things that are distracting you from the best thing? Some days, don't you just want to tuck yourself away in the kitchen with Martha? But then I remember Jesus' response, how he gently reminds Martha, you're worried about so many good things, but you're missing out on the best things right in front of you. It's the most needed thing. I'm right here. Don't miss me. Just come and sit with me. So the truth is, Pastor Aaron didn't tell a bunch of people that he was going to be gone today. And the reason is, he knows if you know he's not going to be here, you don't come. <laughs> because second best is not good. So um, he, he tries to keep that on the DL a little bit, down low. Um, so knowing that, he's told me that many times, so what I did is I tried to tell as many people as I could. <laughs> I was like, hey, pastor won't be here November 24th. Don't you have anything else to do? Take a break. You really deserve it, you know? Uh, no, I'm just totally kidding because, in fact, the complete opposite is true. I didn't tell, I don't think, anybody um, including my parents, and I got a snarky email the other day or text message and from my mom, and she said, when were you going to tell me you were preaching? And I was like, I wasn't. <laughs> and um, that's mostly because, if you know my mom, um, I knew they were going to be gone, so they're not even here, um, so I can talk about her. And she, they're not here because I knew they were going to be hunting, 
And I knew there was nothing that they really could do to make that not happen, but I knew if there was anything that my mom could do, she would do it, because that's the kind of mom she is. My mom's the kind of person that would have stopped everything, rearranged her whole plans, even if it inconvenienced somebody else, in order to be here. Because she always seems to make time to be near the people she loves, people that need her. I think that's what Jesus is calling us to do. He's just calling us to sit at his feet and be near him, to listen to his teaching, (laughs) to surrender ourselves to him, to give over control, to not let the busyness of our lives distract us from the best thing, him, in order to take our next step forward with the master. Because remember, he's not looking for masterful servants. He's looking for servants filled with the master. He doesn't care about our skills. He's caring about filling, not skilling. There's a huge difference. But I think it just starts by saying, here I am. Here's all of me at your feet. Food can wait. The dishes will certainly be there later. Just choose you. My favorite story probably of the whole year um, happened this summer. And we were down at Unity, and we were enjoying Matthew West was singing. And my kids (laughs) are crazy. We'll say that. And I'm sorry, there's one in here. You were not one of them, okay? The two smaller ones are crazy. Hudson is an angel. Um, But... Bryden and Trayton are um, hyper, (laughs) and they were just rocking and rolling. They were jamming. They were rocking out. They were on a blanket, and they we were sitting next to the Farrier family. (laughs) And so, thank God for Cole and Riley because they are very compliant, compassionate, empathetic, patient children, young young teenage boys almost. Sorry, parents. And they were playing with the two little ones, and they were getting wrestled with. Their snacks were getting stolen. They were getting trampled on. They were just tolerant of them, and I appreciate that. But as the night kind of was winding down, and the tone started to get a little bit different, it was a little more serious. And so I think Dan could see that as he gently plucked them away from the other fa- from the farrier boys, <laughs> because you could see that the older boys started to started to listen a little bit. Matthew was sharing, I talk about Matthew, like we're on first name basis. <laughs> Matthew, my good friend, Matthew West, you guys know him? Um, so he was kind of given a spiel about how he wrote the lyrics of this last song, one of the last songs. And you could tell that the boys were, were listening to this. And so Dan gently plucked the boys and they were sitting on his lap. And you could just see that they were in tune with what Matthew West was saying. And he was saying about this song called All In that he wrote, he said, I was sick of it. I was sick of being in the middle. I was sick of going through the motions. I needed to either be all in or all out, but I'm not doing this middle line thing anymore. And you could just see these guys just in it. And so he was sharing the verses. And so the the lyrics of the first verse go like this. My feet are frozen on this middle ground. 
The water's warm here, but the fire's gone out. I played it safe for so long, the passion left. Turns out safe is just another word for regret. And the chorus continues with this. I'm going all in, head first into the deep end. I hear you calling, and this time, the fear won't win. I'm going, I'm going all in. And after the last song, um, we were packing up and heading out, and Kelly, um, we were walking out together. Later on, she was sharing that at her home, Riley, her seventh grade son, who I have permission to share this story as long as he didn't have to come up here, said, I, would, I don't even want to be up here. I would never make you do that. I love you. <laughs> Apparently, nobody loves me. <laughs> So Riley said to his mom, hey, mom, and I'm guessing she said, yeah, Rue? And he said, you know, tonight, I think before tonight I was like 75% all in. But after tonight, I really just want to be all in. So maybe it's a song. Maybe it's the reminder of this scene in Mary's life. Maybe it's just that gentle nudge or that voice of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's the stirring in your heart or the pounding in your chest right now that's calling you to take your next step with Jesus, to surrender yourself, to go all in. Maybe you've been playing it safe for too long. Maybe you've just been going through the motions. Maybe you're distracted by good things in life that have taken you away from the best thing. Is your passion gone? Is fear winning? Are there rules or cultural norms or expectations that are holding you back? What is it that's keeping you from the feet of Jesus? Whatever it is today, I encourage you and I pray that you'll just leave it here. I just pray that you'll surrender that right now. As the praise team comes and we're going to get ready to sing one last song together, I just want you to be asking yourself this. Am I all in? Am I like 75% in or am I all in? Have I put Jesus before everything else, even good things? Does he take priority over everything in my life, or are there distractions that are keeping me from being fully his? Not just on Sundays, but every day. Will you pray with me?